you know, crud going around. Uh, it's been an incredible week with uh, Mission Focus. I know I'm, I'm tired, physically tired, but it has been a blessing uh, to hear the Lord um, speak. And I uh, wanted to just give an opportunity to have, if anybody wanted to share a word of testimony before we, uh, before we have our guest speaker today. Is there anything anyone wanted to share uh, from, from Mission Focus? Any testimony? And if not, yeah, okay, hold, I'll come to you so they can hear you on uh, on the Zoom machine. So, Well, yeah, it's not broadcasting, so the White House is listening to you. Oh, great. Okay, so that was my first mission focus, and I was so moved by just the, the ways that we could be part of uh, a mission, whether it's with the next generation, being the families and our kids. And to the older folks, I attended a class, and out outbreak class that has just moved me even at an older age we can be of assistance to even the young people whether being mentors and discipleshipping someone it just it just helped me see that even my small bit part can be can be used to fulfill God's word yeah, that one of those uh, sessions, uh, I think the one she's referring to, was called "Finishing Strong," and it was about not, you know, not entering into retirement, so to speak, spiritually, uh, and still pressing forward and in, in finishing the last uh, portion of, of of your physical life here on earth uh, in in ministry. So, um, I, my wife and I, proudly attended as well. So. I'm officially older now. I turned 50 this last week, so I'm I'm now. Jisung, don't look like that. That hurt. That hurt the way you looked. You went. You thought I was 22? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus 38, plus 28. Yeah, and I can do math. Um, all right. Any other any other uh, testimonies from anything? Thank you, Terry. So uh, one of the things that just really jumped out at me was how the Lord orchestrated the messages to communicate the next phase uh, of what of what we're going to do here at church. And I do believe the Lord orchestrated that relative to preparing, whether it's starting as simple as a Bible study, an evangelistic Bible study, whether it was uh, preparing for the field, finishing strong, uh, how to plant a church uh, was one of the messages. Uh, James did a masterful job on Wednesday night of, and I've never seen this before, of laying out points where you were like, yeah, I'm all in. Like, you know, uh, a, 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 a servant to the mission is, is uh, you know, is going to have um, and I can't remember the words here. Is gonna uh, they're gonna sustainability? I think was was uh, was one of the words. You know they're gonna persevere, right? And uh, they're gonna be you know single minded, and they're they're gonna they're gonna be about the mission. But but then at the end he turned it around and said, you know, if you're in, that's great. But a servant to the master is confident, and a servant to the master. It, it, the mission only flows from the master. So you can actually serve the Lord in the flesh uh, from your perspective. Uh, it won't have the power that it has when we serve the Lord. The mission will outflow from your relationship with the Lord. So it was, I thought that was, it was, it was really, really good. So um, I don't know, I don't think anybody's... Uh, chimed in there so all right so with that uh we have obviously a lot of guests in from out of town and and super excited that i was able to 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 snag uh you know george and uh, you know george the relationship with you is a few years old at this point right you've been an lfbi student for for, for several years and so what's wonderful about the the lfbi in particular is that somebody you know a few hundred miles away can get connected, can get uh, plugged into the curriculum 
and uh, and can really grow and learn scripture, learn uh, min- practical ministry uh, principles and realities. And so George has been a faithful uh, attendee in our Bible Institute. Many of you know that we're we're trying to and, and endeavoring to support uh, George and Jamie as they uh, plant um, High Plains Christian Fellowship in Laramie, Wyoming. We've prayed about people going out on these trips. We've prayed for these trips as folks have attended uh, them. And, and uh, some of you may remember uh, months ago at this point, we took some time to break out and do some research on Laramie and some interesting facts about Laramie. I don't remember those facts. You may want to share some of those facts, but uh, I think it was you know more, I don't know, uh, you know, more snowmobilers than anywhere else in the world or something. I don't remember. It seemed like there was some something about snowmobiling. Um, so, you know, it's, um, you know, I'm thrilled to have you here. There's a few folks even on Zoom that have joined uh, to, to listen, so no pressure, bro. Uh, it's all good. You're amongst family. You know, we love you guys. Uh, I, I have appreciated our relationship as it's grown and developed and, and your heart uh, for people and for the ministry. So uh, I think he's going to go through a little bit of a background, a little bit of a just kind of a sharing of the field and then has uh, some some uh, s- something from the word for us today. So if you want to come on up and then you, this is, um, I'm going to start a recording here in just a second. So I'll let you get it connected. This is mostly for the folks on Zoom to hear. It's already recorded. Oh, it's already recorded. So I heard everything I said. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I didn't want to miss it. This is only my second time over in one of these gizmos. My first time was in Life Fellowship earlier this morning. So hopefully I did it all right. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, actually, uh, we can probably skip my sermon. I think Mitch preached half of it for me. <laughs> it's uh, actually, I had really been kind of, before before getting to mission focus, I for a while I'd been kind of... Um, sort of second guessing and wondering uh, you know is that really what God wants me to do or is that something that I'm doing in my wisdom and I get here to mission focus and I'm like okay Lord I get it I I understand okay but um, I just wanted to say you know first of all um, for, for Jamie and I and Wyatt it is such a a blessing and a privilege to get to be here, to get to have, to be a part of the Living Faith Fellowship, to to get to make the connections. I mean, you guys, um, y'all have been so loving and so supportive. As, as Mitch said, I, this is my third year in LFBI, but for the first two years... All we saw was the the teaching on a screen. We didn't have the connection. I think a couple of times I you know had a, a class question and I emailed Sam or Kenny or Chris, whoever was the instructor, but there really wasn't that connection. And mission focus last year was the first time where we got to come and, and it was a very difficult time for us. We had we had just planted the new church and um, we were the, the church started as a Bible study. It wasn't a um, a planned church plant. We didn't. God knew about it, but we we didn't plan it, um, and we were just kind of struggling to figure out our way and what we were doing. And and we got here, and everyone was so loving and so supportive. And I, I know we've only been to MBT like three times now. We we met a lot of people at all church retreat too, but now it seems like family, and we're so excited to come and, and see everybody. Brian's back there. He's one of uh, the early ones that we got to meet. And, and it's just like, man, I can't wait to see all those guys. Last night we, we were staying with uh, Mark and Carla Rhodes. And I was telling them, I was like, and I forget that we really don't know everybody that well. It seems in a lot of ways like we've known each other for a long time. And then some kind of detail comes out and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't really know them that well. It's only like the second time we've met them. But um Anyway, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. I, I've been accused of, of hunting rabbits too many times. They, they, well, I think L'Oreal's on Zoom. Some of our folks are on Zoom. They got me an Elmer Fudd hat for Christmas. They're talking about giving me a little shotgun because I like to chase rabbits. But um, anyway, fast forward a year. 
back at Mission Focus, um, you know, we still we still don't have a clue what we're doing. One of the things Sam and Chris, when we sat down with them last year, they they said, you know, let's let's have lunch. Let's talk about what we can do to help you. And um, this was right after Sam was talking about uh, things were starting to sort of kick off with Dallas and Nairobi, and and uh, they said, what can we do to help? We're, you got our DNA. We love you. We want to support you. What can we do to help? And we said, we don't have a clue. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we need. We don't know anything. We're hoping you guys can tell us. But we still, a year later, we don't know what we're doing. But, man, we're just trusting every step of the way for God to show us. And, and God has been so faithful in that. Um, he's just He's given us one step at a time. We want to know the big picture. We want to know the whole plan. But, but God just gives us that one step. And uh, we're just, just trying to take that in faith. Um, so I just want to give you kind of a little quick summary of, uh, as far as facts, um, Laramie's about 30,000 people. We're 7,200 feet in elevation. Um, Mitch said snowmobiling. We're consistently, you know, each year kind of changes a little bit, but we're consistently in, I think, like the top three in the nation of places for mountain snowmobiling. Um, so we do attract a lot of snowmobilers there to the to the snowy range. Um, but for us, for our church, you know, I think it's a common saying, I believe it started with Alan Shelby, but it sort of spread throughout the Living Faith Fellowship that ministry rides on the rails of relationships. And for us there in Laramie, it seems like food and fellowship are a huge part of that. And uh, from the beginning, part of what started the church was our Friday night Bible study that existed prior to the church. And that, that carried on. So we've got that ministry going on. Um, this last year, we were able to get the church together. Jamie and I were the only ones in the church that really had any connection at all with the Living Faith Fellowship and with LFBI. Everyone had just kind of vicariously heard about it through us, but we were able to get some folks together and um, there we go right there. We were live streaming Discipleship Conference last year and that was a huge blessing. Uh, there's our Friday night Bible study. And uh, Jamie has started seven weeks ago. She started doing a, a women's Bible study on Saturday mornings. She's using uh, Deb Mulder's new book, the Emotional Victory Book. Uh, that has been that has been awesome and such a blessing for the ladies that are in there. I have to put a plug in for Deb's book. If y'all, I haven't read it yet. I haven't had the time. I mean, I know it's really geared more for the ladies, but. Uh, it sounds like everybody can get something out of it. I'd really encourage y'all to, to check that out. Um, and this last year, we have just been so blessed to have MBT come out. Uh, it actually started without even folks coming out. Uh, Larry and, and Anita Smith, uh, we identified a need that in some of our disciples uh, for financial um, principles. And I talked to Larry. I knew that was an area he had taught some in. He had done a, a paper on that when he was in shepherd school. And and um, praise God for the technology with Zoom. And even praise God this morning. You know, folks are, are home for various reasons and they're still able to join. But Larry was able to teach that class for us by Zoom. And then later, um, evangelism is an area that just a lot of us don't have experience in. And we don't we're not really gifted in but we knew that 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 was something that we needed to do we don't want to build a church by trying to by trying to attract all the laodicean christians in town we want to build a church by winning souls and making disciples and so we knew that evangelism that is the mission win souls and make disciples so we knew that we needed to, to learn that and uh, Larry and Anita and uh, Lon Amick came out and, and blessed us by by teaching evangelism and then going out with us and, and kind of doing a version of hit the streets and and um, we're still learning we're still terrified uh, but we're, we're still working on that uh, we did a bike ride outreach we had um, 
and several of our folks just kind of all of a sudden got into bicycles and spring was coming and we're like hey let's just let's have a ride and then we'll have lunch at the end and we were able to have some guests join us with that so that was a blessing uh, we did our, our conchon delay our Cajun pig roast in August that's a ministry that we had been doing for quite a few years what Jamie I think eight years previously at the church that we were at and it's just a wonderful way to just love on the community and have people come out and start building those relationships and um, and they MBT was so gracious to send a, a team out to help us with that because that takes a lot of work that is it's a major ordeal for us and so they sent folks out to help us with that and then just recently the end of November um, God has finally opened the door a year ago at Mission Focus God really laid it on my heart uh, to to focus on we have the University of Wyoming there and to focus on international students we had come out of a church that was 20 miles outside of town in a little community and quite honestly the the university just wasn't on my radar I didn't even think about it and being in town at Mission Focus last year, all of a sudden I woke up and said, wait a minute, we got a university right there. Acts 1.8 says to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, we can do that through the university, through the international students if we disciple them that then take that back to their country. So God had been laying that on my heart and, and the end of Thanksgiving, um, Larry had actually given me the idea that, hey, let's do a Thanksgiving dinner for the, the international students to start building relationships. And um, God has been faithful in that. Uh, Midtown sent out a team. Praise God for it. Jamie and I got COVID right before they got there, so we were out of commission. Uh, but everybody, our folks stepped up. The Midtown folks stepped in, and, and God just put that together. And that is... Um, then we were able to invite some to come back to our um, our church white elephant Christmas party. Now we have five that they ask if we could do a WhatsApp group to keep in touch. Um, we're going to be doing a dinner and a movie at the end of January for them, and we already have some that say they're coming to that. And so we're really excited about that. That God's building those relationships. Actually, one of them is so such a cool story. Is there a Okay, yeah. next one. Okay, so this little girl right here from Nepal, her name's Ritam Vara. When the team came out in the end of August for the Conchon Delay, we were able, some of the Kaya folks, we were able to go to the University of Wyoming and hand out invitations. And we kind of split up, there's a big open grassy area and and uh, Rosie Hollis and uh, Rachel, I don't know how to pronounce Rachel's last name. Okay. Um, they came back and they were all excited and they said, we got to sit for like 10 minutes on a park bench with this girl from Nepal and we got to share the gospel with her and we got to talk to her. And they said, will you guys please be praying for follow-up? And they, they said her name was uh, Ritambara. That's what they had said. So, okay, we, we prayed for her, and off and on for a while, she just randomly would just kind of pop into mind, and I'd wonder, man, we've never seen her, but maybe God's still working. They'd given her a tract, and and uh, since I wasn't able to be at Thanksgiving, I didn't know, and uh, this is the Christmas party, and I was actually, she and I were, were talking, and we were serving ourselves food, and all of a sudden I got to thinking, Maybe they could this be the same one? Is that did they get the name wrong? Sure enough, she is the one that they sat on that park bench back in August and talked to. When she signed up for the Thanksgiving, she had no clue that it was the same that there was any connection. God brought her back and we capped that at 10 students. They turned students away. They had more that wanted to come and they turned them away. But she got in and then has continued. She's the one that actually requested that we do the WhatsApp. She's not saved, but we're just really praying that God is going to do something there. So, Rhythm Vara. Vara, yeah. Yeah. 
And so we're just, we're thrilled. We have two from Nepal. Uh, he and, and she are from Iran. And Devini there is from Sri Lanka. And uh, yeah, so we're just, we're thrilled. Um, but so if y'all would please be, be praying for that. Um, you know, I don't want to get too caught up in numbers because it's really all about spiritual growth. It's about discipleship. But this last year, uh, we've had, that we know of, we've had um, 16 people come to Christ. Uh, we've had 11 baptisms. Um, and so God has really, God's really blessed us in that. Um, a lot of those were through the, through, um, Evangelism outreaches like the Conchon Delay. There was like six that got saved through that. Uh, I think there was five when they had come out and done the the evangelism class. And those we haven't seen come back, but um, you know, hopefully we'll see that as as fruit at the judgment seat. Um, as far as prayer requests for the church, uh, please be praying for the FOI ministry as that's starting, and God's God really seems to be blessing that and growing us in that area. Um, <clears throat> spiritual growth for our members, um, you know, we we've got folks that are in discipleship, and of course Satan tries to stop that, and Satan attacks that, and so uh, please just you know be praying for God's protection on the disciples and encouragement for them. Um, we do need prayer for a location. We, uh, God has been faithful every step of the way as we've grown to provide a location for us. Um, but right now there's been, especially over our Friday night Bible study, a little bit of tension. They, they rent that facility out for events like weddings and parties and stuff as well as to some other churches. And a lot of people, you know, they want to have a party on Friday night, and we have it booked every Friday. And they're kind of, I think, they didn't think it through maybe when they, they rented it to us, and maybe they're having some second thoughts. But we don't know if it's just Satan putting up roadblocks or if God's getting ready to move us. But one way or the other, we, we need prayer for a location. Um, and then, I mean, that's our biggest thing. You talked about how can I get involved. Prayer is, is the biggest thing. I mean, we certainly, all of the church plants, they need laborers in the field. They need all those things. But for us, the thing that we need more than anything is prayer. Um, we need prayer warriors. We need prayer warriors there. We need prayer warriors here. Um, as far as as people, we need folks that are that are gifted and, and have a heart for evangelism because that's an area that we really struggle in, and um, we need we need prayer warriors. We need folks that understand the need for prayer, and we need folks that that really have a heart for worship. Um, as a young church. And a lot of us, again, it's sort of like evangelism. We haven't really had the grounding in that. Our background was more in teaching and learning God's Word. And we're, we're thoroughly, we still have a long ways to go, but we, we're thoroughly grounded in that. We're comfortable in that area. But, but worship and, and evangelism and, and even corporate prayer are areas that we really need to work on. So... I don't want to take too much time with all that. We need to, to get moving into the message here. But um, I just want to, man, I want to thank Mitch for, uh, he said, <laughs> I feel like he uh, he kind of scraped the bottom of the barrel for you all. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, man, it's it's such a, an honor and a privilege and a blessing to, to get to do this. And um, I just want to go ahead and pray real quick before we get into the message. Lord, I just want to thank you so much for, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy, for your blessings. Lord, thank you for, thank you for this church and its its influence in my life. Lord, thank you for, uh, for mission focus, for all the hard work that went into putting that on, Lord, because uh, we know that it blesses and encourages so many. And, 
And Lord, we need those times of refreshing. We need those times of encouragement. We need those times of challenge and conviction. And Father, we just want to thank you for that. And and Lord, we thank you so much for your word to, to order our lives, to guide every step. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit to, to teach us your word, to help us to, to learn and to grow in it. And God, I just want to I want to ask now that, that through your Holy Spirit, as we open your word, God, that you would just you would help us to take it in, because Lord, we know that in our flesh we're, we're not capable of understanding. And, and Lord, we just we need you and we need your Holy Spirit. And Father, I just pray that you would just you would anoint my speech, Lord, because I'm I'm not qualified, I'm not worthy, I'm I'm not capable. And Lord, these are your people, and if if you want to feed them, Lord, you have to do it. I can't. So Lord, I just ask now that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we humbly pray. Amen. Alright, so this morning we're going to be talking about uh, about what what is your worker classification. And hopefully this will, will kind of make sense as we go through this. Um, I don't know, sometime back in early November, I think, um, Larry had, had reached out to me and and uh, Kenny was wanting to know if I would, would speak in life when we were here. And, and uh, man, it, it was... It was quite a. It was kind of one of those, you know, the cartoon characters, and they do the big gulp, and then the, that's kind of the way I felt. Um, it's just this weight of responsibility that, man, um, because for two years, all the the pastors in the Living Faith Fellowship and all the folks teaching LFBI, they had become our heroes in the faith. They were our mentors, and, and there was just this heavy sense of responsibility man this is this is Sam's church and and uh, when Mitch talked to me the other night it was sort of a I felt doubly unqualified I, and what I realized though as I got to thinking at first I was like man I I look up to those guys so much and and I'm so unqualified and and I don't want to let them down that was that was my biggest thing I just I don't want to let them down but I also got to realizing that part of that, though, is it was actually pride. Not not pride in that I wanted to impress them, but the fact that I didn't want to let them down, that I cared about what they thought, really is pride. And it made me start questioning, well, who do I actually serve? Do I serve God? Or do I serve men? And, and granted, these are mighty men of God that God has used mightily in my life. But, but at the end of the day, who do I actually serve? And, and so as much as I admire them, I realize that it's really God. It's, it's really the master that I need to be focused on. And so it brought to mind and then I'll kind of get to it in a minute I'd been listening to uh, to some podcasts and some previous sermons um, through some of the Living Faith Fellowship events and what came to my mind was Revelation 17 verse 14 as I was praying about this and sort of what to speak on and of course the context of this verse is the second coming of Christ it's talking about Christ returning with the church um, and it says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And what we see there at the end, that, that as the church, the bride of Christ, comes back with Christ... There are actually three different groups within the church. There are the called, there are the chosen, and there are the faithful. Now we talk a lot about, you know, this is a disciple-making church, and we talk about that not every, every disciple is a believer. You have to be a believer to be a disciple, but not all believers are disciples. Disciples 
are those that have gone further. Well, the same thing, this threefold breakdown actually shows up over and over in God's Word. You know, big surprise that it's a, a grouping of three. I mean, there's a trinity, you know, God seems to like that number. But there's this threefold breakdown that shows up over and over in Scripture, and it's a progressively smaller group. Uh, one of the easy examples to see is in the Twelve Apostles. So I, I'm not very good with math. I can only count to ten. I mean, I was a team roper for a long time, and by the grace of God, I still have all ten fingers, so I can get to ten. But, but there was twelve apostles. Those twelve were called. Christ, you see that in Scripture, Christ called every one of them. But three, Christ chose to go to the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John were chosen to go to the Mount of Transfiguration. They were also chosen to go further in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before Christ is crucified. But then, only one, only John, is faithful to go all the way to the foot of the cross. So what we see over and over is this, this progressively, as it gets harder, as it requires more, the group gets smaller. And folks that know me, some of our folks on Zoom, they probably think I'm obsessed with this passage. I go to it a lot. It's, it's just one of those I can still even picture it in my mind where we were sitting. And, um, some of you may know or you've heard of Bob Matthews. We were sitting at he and Karen's dining room table. At a particularly tough time in our lives, God was really, um, we just started LFBI and we were sorting out a lot of things and God was, uh, we were going through a difficult time, but Bob took me to this verse and was showing us and it made such an impression on me because when I saw it, all I could think of was, God, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. And um, so... Y'all are, they think I'm obsessed. Y'all are probably just going to think that I plagiarized from the mission focus speaker, especially James's message Wednesday night. This, this ties in so closely. I promise y'all it was, it was in the works a long time ago. But, um, but what we can see here from this verse is, you know, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we need to examine ourselves. Um, in the, the Lord's Supper passage, and we really, the main context of that is, is unconfessed sin. But we can also, this area of what group do I fit into is an area that we need to, on a regular basis, man, we just, we just had mission focus. We're talking about the mission. But before I go out there and engage in the mission, I need to know, I need to take an honest look and know where I'm at. And... Um, so we need to know where we fit in. And with everything spiritual, y'all, what it really boils down to is where is our heart at? That's what God cares about. He doesn't care about uh, what I've determined that I'm going to do in my mind. He cares about where our heart is. And to make this a little easier, we're going to... So everything physical really is just kind of a picture, a visual representation of the spiritual. The spiritual is what matters. That's the real thing. And God gives us the physical as a way to visualize. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take um, something from the world and we're going to use that to, to kind of parallel and, and look at a series of questions to, to examine ourselves. But what I want to look at is a worker's classification. See, worker classification can be a, a very murky area. Um, it can be critical, though, in, in certain situations because it, has, it can have really significant legal or tax implications. Um, I mean, we're talking big dollars. And so, so it can be pr pretty critical. But the world, they're concerned with, with two classes. That's all they really see. But in case y'all haven't guessed, we're going to be looking at three of them today. Because God likes three. So attorneys, accountants, even the IRS, they, they want to know, are you an independent contractor or are you an employee? 
So multiple definitions and, and multiple tests have been devised by various legislatures and governmental agencies and courts and private entities. There's so many of them, um, we can't go into all that, but we're going to kind of just summarize this and break it down a little bit for our purposes. It really comes down to a few factors. Degree of control, financial control, and, and then how the parties view the relationship. And I do have to point out that in the spiritual situation, God's very clear about how he views the relationship. So it, the question really comes down to how do we view it? How do we view our relationship with God? And specifically, how do we view it with him as, as far as the mission goes? So what we're going to do, let's, let's kind of walk through this. With, we'll start with an independent contractor Christian. In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 14, it says, For many are called, there's that, that group of twelve, there's that bigger group. Many are called, all believers are called, but few are chosen. You see, all Christians, whether you're a, spiritually speaking, you're a newborn babe in Christ or, or you're an elder, they're all called, but just like all 12 apostles were called, we shouldn't be content with that. We shouldn't be okay with just being called. And that's great that you're, you're a babe in Christ. Praise God for that. All of a sudden, Mark Trotter pops into my head. Hallelujah to you. I remember him saying so many times, you got saved, praise God, hallelujah to you. But y'all, we shouldn't stop there. See, when we look at an independent contractor Christian, we, we see that even though the details for each one are different, really they kind of fall into one of two groups. It's kind of two sides of a, a koan. It's either carnality or it's legalism. It's really what happens with, with these independent contractor Christians. Either they're carnal, they're worldly, or they're legalistic. And see, a carnal Christian, they might participate in the mission at times, but they're following their own agenda. They're, they allow themselves to be controlled by the flesh instead of by God. So, you know, they're, if the world is pulling a little stronger that day, well, that's the direction they go. And I'm, for the sake of time, we really can't address both groups. And I'm just going to kind of go out on a limb here and say that probably at MBT, there's not a lot of carnal Christians. I'm sure that there, every church has some. And the 12 apostles, there was there was one that was a devil. I know that there, the reality is that there's some here. But I don't think carnal Christians get all that comfortable. Um, you know... Uh, Pastor Dobson, I can say that now. Um, that kind of has a nice ring. I, I don't think um, there's any danger of, of Mitch becoming one of those that just tells you what you want to hear. Uh, Mitch has the same problem I do. He doesn't have the hair to be a megachurch pastor. Um, so I don't think there's any danger of him running off and, and starting a megachurch. At MBT, the pastors, the leaders, they preach the Word of God. They don't tell people what they want to hear. So carnal Christians are not going to be all that comfortable around here. Um, and so if you are here today and you're carnal, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. We're, we're not going to spend time addressing you. Um, I'm sure you can get plenty of attention and plenty of conviction from, from the pastors here if you stick around long enough, but we don't have time today. Um, and I don't think, I want to make it clear, I don't think MBT is really a legalistic church either. Um, but what I want to address is individual believers that are, that are still growing and sorting this out. Uh, because for me, this is something that in my walk with Christ, in my growth, I had mixed up at points in my life. And so, you know, we just came off of mission focus. We're on the tail end of that. And, and man, God provided some, some great messages, some challenging, convicted messages through some, some mighty men of God. Amen? And, man, we were all challenged and were convicted, right? And, you know, it was on church planning, so, so we're going to have 10 or 20 
moving to Laramie? Amen. <laughs> so the point is, y'all, it's easy to walk away from something like Mission Focus or like All Church Retreat and you sat through one of those sermons and God's working on your heart and you say, okay, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to live for God. If y'all haven't, some of you are probably there, but back in 2018 at All Church Retreat, Mark Trotter preached a, a series. And the very first message in the series was called The Fallacy of Living for God. If y'all haven't listened to it, I highly encourage you to go back. It's recorded. Um, man, it was awesome. But Mark's point was that we don't live for God anywhere in Scripture. We actually don't see God saying, encouraging us to live for Him. But what we have to do is allow Christ to live through us. And hopefully as we go through some of this this morning, as we kind of go through our breakdown of, of going through some of these questions, maybe this will be a little bit more clearer. But we're going to start with the, the independent contractor, Christian. And the first thing that we want to look at is the behavioral control. And as we go through this, y'all, I'd kind of ask that you, you just carefully, prayerfully consider what would your answers be to these questions? So the first thing is degree of control. Is there an authority? You know, one of the things that, that differentiates an independent contractor from an employee is that the, the independent contractor doesn't have, they are their own authority. There's a contract, and that governs overall, but the details, they get to make up on their own. And an independent contractor lives that way. I've been there, y'all. God was my overall authority, but as far as the details, the day-to-day -day life, well, that was all me. And also the same thing with God's Word. It doesn't order their every step. It doesn't order their day-to-day -day life. And the other thing is financial control. So who provides the tools and the equipment? We just had mission focus. We're all focused on the mission. But we got to have stuff to carry out that mission. Who do we look to to provide that? So an independent contractor, if you were to, to go and hire them to remodel your bathroom... Well, they wouldn't just show up and say, okay, I'm here, where's my tools? They bring them with them. But the problem is that that's not God's way. Uh, Pastor Bob Matthews used to tell us years ago that what God orders, God pays for. And he taught us that we could use that to, to help discern God's plan in ministry. If God's not providing for it, well, then that's not his will. But an independent contractor, they say, well, there's a job to do. And they're going to make it happen. They're going to provide the tools. They're going to, they're going to go out and do whatever it takes to get that job done because they got a job to do. The problem is they look to the, their heart's in the right place, but they look to the wisdom of the world and they look to their ability rather than seeking God's provision in prayer. I remember here uh, last year at Mission Focus and Chris was telling me a story about Kid Town at MBT and how they needed, as it grew, they needed tables and chairs. And they could have gone out and they could have made it happen. They could have started asking for donations and doing different things. But they started praying. And God started providing. But an independent contractor says, how can I make this happen? The second thing is with financial control is, is can they seek other work opportunities? See, an independent contractor, they, they sort of see the mission as on and off. You know, I can show up and I can, I can do my part, but then I can go home and I can do my thing. I can go live like the world Monday through Friday. Or, oh yeah, we got this little thing in ministry happening. I'll, I'll support that, but then I'll do, I'll do my thing. 
so it's piecemeal here and there and they don't really have any problems with seeking worldly opportunities in between they may be all in one day and all out the next but their heart's not in it and the last thing we want to look at here is, is relationship. And I know I'm starting to get a little short on time. But independent contractors, they see themselves as working. Or the question that we can ask is, do they see themselves as working for God? Or do they see themselves as allowing God to work through them? Independent contractor Christians, they want to do a work for God. In the world, we, we also ask if the, the service provided is a key activity of the business. You know, if, like Sam said, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. If you are doing the job of that business, then you're probably an employee rather than an independent contractor. But independent contractor Christians, they... They do their mission their way rather than doing God's mission God's way. And what I mean by this, maybe that's a little confusing, but is that the mission is Christ's kingdom glory. And in the church age, the way God's chosen to do that is through the local church. But independent contractor Christians, they haven't matured to the point and they, they haven't realized that. And so... And they haven't rightly divided their Bible sometimes, and so maybe they're working to bring in the physical kingdom. Uh, there are those groups out there that, that they, they've latched on to the gospel of the kingdom, and they're trying to, to bring in the physical kingdom in their own power, which we're the spiritual kingdom of God, not the physical kingdom of heaven. Or maybe they're working through some social program. Or perhaps they're working through like a parachurch organization. But they're not doing it God's way. So how we answer the questions and how we view our relationship with God, y'all, it, it really has a, a direct correlation with how we view ourselves. See, the, the higher view that we have of ourselves, the, the higher we view our capabilities, it means the more independent we are. For a long time, my job was to be a problem solver. And I tried to approach serving God in that way. How can I figure it out? How can I solve it? Rather than just being broken and allowing God to do it. So really to sum it all up with an independent contractor, they're trying to carry out the mission in the power of their flesh. That's what it really amounts to. And I want to put in a quick word of caution here that, y'all, this doesn't mean that, that our brothers and sisters that fall into this group, it doesn't mean that they're wicked. A lot of times they're just, they're just deceived. A lot of times it's an issue of spiritual maturity rather than a heart issue. So don't, don't look down on them. Don't judge them. Love them and, and teach them. I mean, we even see in Scripture in Genesis 15, you know, Abraham is such a, a mighty man of God, but what we see in Genesis 15 is that, is that Abraham receives the promise of seed, the promise that God's going to make a mighty nation, but then in the very next chapter, well, he and Sarah, they... They decide that, okay, there's a mission to be done. God hasn't done it yet, so we need to get it done. They got it done, but they didn't do it God's way. And the world is still paying for that today. And so Martha, poor old Martha, she gets picked on a lot. But in Luke chapter 10, we see Martha, she's working her tail off, and, and y'all, she's, she's on her mission, and she's doing it her way and her ability, and she's burned out, and she's bitter. But what we see is that that wasn't what Jesus was seeking. That wasn't his way. <clears throat> Martha's focus was on the mission first. She had a job to do. And although she had a relationship with Christ, it came second. And y'all, 
I mean, we point out Abraham and Martha's mistakes pretty often, but thankfully that wasn't the end of their story. See, our story doesn't have to end with just being called either. We can go on. We can go further. Matthew twenty-two fourteen. it says, For many are called, but few are chosen. We can move from being an independent contractor to an employee when we come to a place where our view of ourself and our ability changes. In 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 6, Paul says, And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves. So we lose that we lose that self-sufficiency. To think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. So we have to get to a place where we realize that our sufficiency is of God, our provision is from God, and our control is by God. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11, when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and that's if you study that prayer out, there is so much detail in there. But in chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Give us this day our daily bread. Christ is teaching them that daily we have to seek our provision from God. We don't go out and provide it ourselves. We have to become dependent upon God. So that's really an employee. They've come to that place and, and y'all, that actually sounds kind of good. You know, especially when you're comparing it with the independent contractor that's, that's often trying to do it in the power of the flesh. But the issue is, and we saw earlier that, that Peter, James, and John, they were, they were chosen. And they even got to go to the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, how awesome would that have been? They got to see Christ in his glory briefly. But why stop there? We can go all the way to the foot of the cross. In Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6, it says, Most men will proclaim every one his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. See, all employees, they only go so far. They have limits. John, the faithful, he went all the way to the foot of the cross. And what God desires is faithful servants. So the issue with employees, they, they still have those limits. There's still lines. You've heard the old saying, God, please don't send me to Africa. As an employee, we get to that point where we're doing God's mission and we're, we're all in, maybe in our local church or, or serving in certain ministries, but there's still, there's still lines. God, please don't send me to Africa. God, please don't make me pick up my life and go to one of these church plants. God, please, whatever it is. There's still limits. When their shift is done, an employee walks out the door. And the other thing is, once they get out that door, sometimes they still get entangled with the world. Sometimes they they still moonlight. Or I think nowadays, I heard some of the guys I work with, I think they call it a side hustle or something like that. But employees... Most of the time, they're dedicated to the mission, but every now and then, they'll get off in the world a little bit. But a servant, a servant, they're faithful. We see in Hebrews chapter 5 and in verse 3, And Moses, verily, was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. See, a servant comes to a place of complete dependence. An employee looks to their employer to provide the tools for the mission, but a servant knows that they have no ability whatsoever to provide for themselves. They, they come to a place where, where they no longer matter. Employees, I love my co-workers, but they're still very focused on their rights their benefits and is the company treating them the way they think they deserve to be and paying them what they think they're worth employees still there's still a sense of self a servant 
Well, only the master and, the, and his mission matter to a servant. See, the servant's so laser-focused on the master that unlike the independent contractor who puts the mission first, the servant puts the master before everything and allows the mission to just be an outflow of that. Now earlier we looked at the example of Martha, but let's look at the, the example of Mary there in Luke 10. And what we see is that Mary placed herself at the feet of the master. Rather than focusing on the mission, Mary is focused on the master. And it was all consuming. And Jesus says in verse 42, Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. See, a servant is all in. They've reached the point that they're not holding anything back. And I remember a couple of years ago when, when I first started LFBI and in D2 and Kenny was teaching on spiritual growth and when you reach uh, stage 5 and father, um, biblically it's described as fathers. And all those lines that you drew, God please don't send me to Africa, God please I'll serve you up to this point. Well you reach a point where all those lines get erased. And now you're fully submitted. You are willing to do anything that the master requires. See, a servant lives out 2 Timothy 2.3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You reach a place that no matter how hard the mission is, no matter how hard the demands are, you are so focused on the master and pleasing him that you're willing to endure hardness. You're willing to endure whatever the master requires. And the, only th the other thing too is that you come to a place where not only does your will no longer matter, your will's been crucified, but now your identity doesn't matter. Your identity come, becomes completely tied to the master. James preached on Eleazar, and we saw that with Eleazar, how his identity is tied up in his master. But also we see men like Paul, Timothy, James, Peter, John, and so many others. Those mighty men of God, those apostles, they all identified themselves as servants of Jesus Christ. That's how they saw their identity, was as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelation 17, 14, uh, you know, again, coming back to this, what we see is that Jesus Christ is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And no matter how you or I view Him, y'all, He is the Master. So I just want to leave you with this one last thing. I know we're out of time, but just to kind of land the plane and wrap this up, I want to leave you with this question. Take an honest look at yourselves and not what do we want it to be, but what does our life say about our worker classification? Are you called as an independent contractor? Are you chosen as an employee? Or are you faithful as a servant? Let's go ahead and, and close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for, um, for the privilege and the blessing that you've given us to gather here today, Lord. And uh, for, for those of us that are guests to spend time with this local church body and and God, we just want to thank you for, for their heart, Lord, for the heart of this church, for the heart of the leadership, and uh, what they they do for others in the fellowship, and, um, and Lord, for the work of the ministry, and the way that you have mightily used them. And, and God, I'm just so grateful and so thankful for that. But Lord, most of all, we want to thank you for... For the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, without your mercy, without your grace, without your Holy Spirit, without your Word, Lord, we'd be nothing. 
we would be lost in our sins. And Lord, you've given us everything that we need to to be faithful servants. And Father, I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful for that. Lord, as we go from here today, Father, I just pray for your blessing upon this this church body, upon these folks, all the folks on Zoom. Lord, I pray for safe travels. We still have those that are that are trying to get home from mission focus and. God, I just want to uh, pray for your hand upon that. And uh, Lord, it seems like so many right now are ill. And Lord, I just pray for your hand of healing upon them. And uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, as we go away from mission focus, Lord, we know that the enemy is going to try to attack. Lord, he doesn't, he doesn't allow something like this to go unchallenged. When people get convicted, when people... When people want to live the crucified life and allow Christ to to live through them and become fully submitted, we know that the enemy is going to attack that. He's going to discourage that. So God, I just pray for your hand of protection upon those. And um, Lord, we just again want to pray for your blessings upon all the folks here in this body. In Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to the, the next time. I'm uh, excited about the, what the Lord uh, shared with you. And uh, thank you all for everyone that's on Zoom. I uh, hope you feel better, uh, feel well, and, and uh, we'll hopefully see you next week. Have a great day. Thanks. You guys are such a blessing to us, man. Oh, it's a pleasure. Our pleasure. Our pleasure.